Welcome everyone to the L7C podcast. Today we are officially starting season three of our L7C podcast and we are actually starting off with someone new to the podcast fold. We have Miss Sarah Bogan. How are you doing today, ma'am? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being interested in being a part of the podcast. I know how this came to be wasn't in the greatest of circumstances of where we men like talked about this, but now here we are. And before we dive into what you're going to be talking about, just give a little brief introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I'm Sarah Bogan. Um, I'm currently living in Logan, Utah, which is almost, it's about two hours north of Salt Lake, almost Idaho is what I tell people. So the reason I'm here is I'm working on my PhD at Utah State University. And my research is kind of a a combination of plant ecology and mathematics and statistics. So I'm really interdisciplinary and I basically belong nowhere, but I'm welcome a lot of different places, which is the interdisciplinary life for you. So um, hoping to finish in the next year and a half or so, but we'll see. We'll see. So we have another math person on the L7C podcast. Obviously, Mitchell also loves math. Uh, yes, and I love Mitchell. Um, Mitch and I were <laughs> a math major classmates at Capital University. So, um, so it's just like now we have like a whole math team because then Chelsea, Dr. Police, she's a math person. So it's like, you three could do a whole math episode one day. Yeah, that would be awesome. I um, I listened to Chelsea's most recent episode kind of when I was getting ready for this. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like Chelsea and I have a lot in common. I'd love to, you know, kind of connect with her. I think I think she'd be fun to get to know. You have a whole year to make that happen. Yeah. So shout out to Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> so, Sarah, now with like the intros, what are you going to be talking about on the podcast? Um, Well, it's a new year. Um, Mm -hmm. It's January. And something exciting that happens in my life in January is college gymnastics season starts. So um, one of my hobbies, one of the things I do, one of the things I'm a fan of is gymnastics. Um, I've been following elite gymnastics for a really long time because it's kind of easier to follow that. So I've been a big gymnastics fan for a really long time. For the past oh, four or five years or so, I've gotten really into college gymnastics. And so I thought today I'd um, give everybody kind of a lowdown on what college gymnastics is um, and maybe a little bit of info about how they can get excited about the season and how they can watch if they're interested. So I really think that's very interesting, especially with like the sport of gymnastics as a whole, because most people don't pay attention to it until like the Olympics or like oh, world yeah, qualifiers. Absolutely. So like you... Being into college gymnastics, I feel like it's super cool because, like, you know the stars even before they get to the Olympics most of the time because you've been following gymnastics, like, all this time. Was gymnastics your favorite sport as a child, or did you recently pick it up? So it definitely was my favorite sport to watch when I was a kid because my mom loved watching it. She's always had it on TV. Her sister, my aunt Patty, was a gymnast. Um, So I think that's kind of how that came to be. I did do a couple of sessions of rec gymnastics as a kid, but I I was afraid of going upside down and my arms weren't very strong. So that didn't really work out for me in the long run. But I do love watching it. 
that's all that's all we can ask for so i know you said you were going to give us a little brief history on college yes. gymnastics so just go ahead yeah so college gymnastics really uh, so it's been around for a really really long time but it really started exploding around um, right after when title nine came out so um when you know title nine came along and said like you know there have to be equal opportunities for men and women in sports if they're in a federally funded school situation a lot of athletic departments started establishing gymnastics teams because that was one way that they could bring in more opportunities for women um, and i do want to give the caveat that everything i'm going to talk about today is going to be like women's gymnastics specific um, there's also men's college gymnastics, which is just a whole other thing. Um, that's a different topic for a different day. But today is all about women's gymnastics. So early on, um, the people who were tasked with um, creating the sport were typically really young individuals. So um, one of the places where college gymnastics really got its start and its, its explosion was really here in Utah. So the University of Utah established a gymnastics team and they found actually a PhD student working on his doctorate in physical education. His name was Greg Marsden. He was at the University of Utah and he was placed in charge of this team. And so Greg Marsden just really built the team from the bottom up, worked really hard on getting people interested in the sport. Um, he was the first person to really pack arenas. So the first school to sell out um, a home meet was Utah. Um, and so that was all done from the grassroots level up. A lot of schools and athletic departments didn't support gymnastics a whole lot because they weren't the moneymaker at the time. So Greg Marsden at the University of Utah was doing a lot. Meanwhile, down in the SEC, um, there were two coaches, two very young coaches who were appointed to the University of Georgia and the University of Alabama, respectively. So Suzanne Yachlin um, took over the University of Georgia, Sarah Patterson took over the University of Alabama, and they did the same thing. They worked really hard on getting fans involved, um, worked really hard on selling out um, arenas and such. And one of the things that they did was they cultivated a really, really intense rivalry between Georgia and Alabama. So um, this rivalry between the two teams just grew and grew and grew. It got nasty at times, but it all served the same purpose of getting fans really invested and really excited. So they together kind of um, helped lift up all of the SEC teams. And even now the SEC, SEC schools are some of the strongest, strongest teams in the country. Um, and so then meanwhile, over on the West Coast um, at UCLA, there was a really, really young um, ballerina. She was a ballet teacher. Her name was um, Valerie Condos Fields or Miss Val. Um, a lot of people in the sports world or coaching world are aware of Miss Val because she was so famous for her coaching techniques and things. But she did the same thing out at UCLA, um, became head coach, really worked hard on recruiting and getting um, the fans really engaged and everything. And so those were kind of the four schools that were the most famous early on. And we owe a lot of what gymnastics is today, college gymnastics is today from like all the grassroots work they did. And so something kind of cool about, you know, being a fan of gymnastics now is because like the roots of the college gymnastics movement were so like fan level and fan oriented 
um, it's still a really grassroots kind of sport. So um, a lot of coaches interact with fans on, you know, Facebook pages and message boards. And when I posted, I'm in a college gymnastics fans Facebook group. When I posted that I was going to be coming to Utah State, the um, head coach of the team here actually reached out to me and added me on Facebook. And um, wow. yeah, so like I said, it's, you know, the fans, the, the coaches interacting with the fans is what um, lifts up the sport more so because um, the schools aren't necessarily, some schools have kind of caught on to the fact that it can be a big moneymaker and things like that. But for the most part, it's still a lot of a lot of work that the teams have to do themselves in terms of promoting themselves. That is awesome. So when you go to a meet, like what are the rules for a meet? Like for, I guess for like, if I was a casual fan coming in, what, where do I sit? Like, what could I bring in? How long are meets? Things like that. Okay. Yeah. So a meet, so it kind of depends on who's running the meet, um, most really well-run gymnastics meets, if it's just a regular season dual or tri or quad meet, it'll last about two hours. So there are four events just like in the Olympics. Yeah, so how it works is um, there is usually like a fan section. There's like the away team section and the home team section. Um, it varies a little bit by school. I like sitting about halfway up because if you're too close, it's kind of hard to see everything, but being too far up, you can't see much. So about halfway up is my recommendation. If you go to a meet Okay. Um, and make sure you can see the beam. Sometimes you're, uh, if you're sitting like too close to the beam um, and you're kind of like looking straight on, it's hard to see. But if you're kind of on the side of where the beam is, you can see really what's going on. So. That's my recommendation. Yeah. So meets, like I said, um, have four events, vault, bars, beam, and floor. And every team puts up six people per event. So that's called each event's lineup. Your lineup is, you know, you know, just like in any other sport is who you put up on each apparatus or event. Every, um, one of those six individuals is 24 total. You get 24 scores. All of those scores are added together and the lowest score on each event is dropped. So if, if your six people go up and one of them falls or one of them has a really off day, that's fine. The other five scores are the ones that count. So um, all the scores at the end of the meet, um, it ends up being four times five. That's 20 scores added together. That total score is your team score. The team with the highest score wins. Something I do want to point out about scoring in NCAA gymnastics is um, this is kind of one of the biggest differences between college gymnastics and what elite gymnastics is used to seeing. In college gymnastics, they still use the 10.0 system. So the highest score you can get is a perfect 10. Okay. So. For the most part, um, with certain exceptions, um, routines that have, you know, the difficulty level that they're supposed to will start at a 10.0 and then deductions will be taken from that. Something that makes it really fun is fans can get really excited about the best gymnasts having the possibility of earning a perfect 10. Um, okay. And yeah, so it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun when that happens. So what's harder then? Elite gymnastics or college gymnastics? 
Hmm. So harder. Hmm. That's an interesting question. So in terms of the difficulty of the individual, uh, the individual routines and individual skills, you'll see the hardest skills you'll see are in elite gymnastics or in the Olympics and are in the national championships and such. Okay. Um, in college gymnastics, the difficulty tends to be lower because with the 10.0 system versus the open-ended system in elite gymnastics, elite gymnastics rewards the high difficulty a lot, whereas everything's more focused in college gymnastics on being, you know, having enough difficulty to be competitive, but it's mostly on execution. So when you go to a college meet, you'll see a lot less, you know, really high flying skills, like stuff Simone Biles does, um, you know, the triple twisting double, that's just not going to happen in college. Um, But what you will see in college gymnastics is you'll see really, really clean landings, really beautiful toe point, really, really nice, beautiful gymnastics. Um, And so a lot of gymnastics fans who watch both elite and college, a lot of them really prefer college because it just is more beautiful. It's more polished. So yeah, it's just um, with the two different scoring systems and the two different, you know, really structures of how the meets work and how the season is structured. Um, they reward really different things. And so you end up with two really different styles of gymnastics. So in college gymnastics, what are like the teams to watch? Because like in college football, you can name like an Alabama and Ohio State, like teams like that who are the players change because they're leaving, graduating, going to the league. But the school continues to be a top program. Is that the same at college gymnastics or does it change? Is it inconsistent? How are their teams to watch? Yes. Okay. So this is a really, really interesting question, especially for right now. So historically, so like I said, the um, college gymnastics is a really young sport. The first national championship for the NCAA was in 1982. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's really recent Um, with Title IX and such. um, I think 1982 was the first time the NCAA sponsored women's gymnastics. So it's still really young. Early on, a lot of the teams I mentioned um, in the forefront, you know, those four teams I mentioned that really built the sport. So Utah won something like 10 years in a row. Um, Georgia and Alabama have both had a bunch of national championships. UCLA has won something like six times. Um, And so those are the teams that always come back. Um, More recently, in the past several years, there have been more teams breaking into that you know, kind of core four. So Florida has won a couple um, in the past several years. Um, Oklahoma, um, University of Oklahoma has really been a force to be reckoned with in the past five years or so. And something really exciting that happened um, just this past season was the University of Michigan won their first ever national championship. And that was really exciting because it was something like First time in seven years that a new team had won. Um, So that was really exciting. So something that's happening right now, and, you know, like I said, like the teams that figured out how to get people excited early on had the recruiting advantages and like the advantages in building and developing their program earlier. Something you're seeing right now is other teams are starting to catch up. And so you're seeing a lot more um, what we say parity between teams. So it's a lot more common to see multiple teams taking over those top spots rather than just one team dominating 
and getting all of the best recruits and such. So in terms of this season, oh, there's a lot to watch this season. Oh my goodness. Do you have, should we talk about maybe teams first or are we interested in individuals? I think from a marketing standpoint in all of sports, individuals typically drive people to watch unless they went to the school. So whichever one's easier Mm -hmm. for you, if it's individuals or teams, you can pick which one you want to go with first. Okay, right. Okay, so I'll start with individuals because I think, um, especially with the Olympics having happened recently, um, I think I'll start by talking about kind of the Olympians that we're going to see in NCAAs this year. The two Olympic gold medalists we had at the United States for the United States this year, so Sunisa Lee won the all-around and Jade Carey won the floor exercise. Um, This is actually a really good example of um, teams that you don't typically see getting the top recruits, getting the top recruits now. So Sunisa Lee is going to Auburn. And I don't think Auburn has ever had, they've never had a national championship. They've never had, I don't think they've had an Olympian on their team before. So this is a really big deal that SUNY's going to Auburn. And then Jade Carey um, has been committed to Oregon State for years and years and years. And um, the coach there has been really supportive of her going after the Olympics and things. So she's going to be at Oregon State, which again, has never won a national championship, but um, having Jade there is going to be a great, exciting way um, to drum up support for that school. Meanwhile, UCLA is actually getting quite a few Olympians. Um, So they're getting Jordan Childs from our Olympic team. And they're also getting a couple of international Olympians. So another cool thing about NCAA gymnastics is you don't just get to see the Olymp, you know, the U.S. gymnasts in the Mm -hmm. Olympic in college gymnastics. There's also a lot of recruitment that goes on internationally. There's a gymnast by the name of Brooklyn Moores, who was on the Canadian Olympic team this past year. She's a freshman at UCLA this year, and she is really well known for her just beautiful, beautiful floor exercises and beautiful lines. I think the NCAA style gymnastics is going to suit her really, really well. And she's just going to be this force to be reckoned with at UCLA. Um, and then in Utah, which I'm really excited about it, I'm hoping to get down to the U in Salt Lake City to watch some meets this year. Grace McCallum from the Olympic team is a freshman this year. And so is one of the British Olympians, Amelia Morgan, um, who um, the British team got the bronze this year. We got silver. And so we have one of the Olympic bronze medal- medalists wow. at Utah. Wow, that's cool. So that's really exciting. Um, but I think where um, a lot of gymnastics fans are most excited to see is actually the incoming freshman class for Florida. So Florida has always been a top team. They have a lot of really good gymnasts this year. They had a lot of good, strong gymnasts last year. They dominated the regular season. Their freshman class this year doesn't have any Olympians, but they do have some of the top people from the United States who were almost Olympians. So People like um, a name to watch is Leanne Wong. She was um, an Olympic alternate this year and went to the world championships and took second overall. Another name to watch there is Riley McCusker, who um, again, almost made the team this year. It has just, she's got this white blonde hair, beautiful lines. She's another who's just going to do really well under the NCAA code. 
And Morgan Heard is a really big name going to Florida. So Morgan won the World All-Around Championships in 2017. So she really, um, in the year that Simone Biles was taking off, um, she kind of emerged as the favorite. And um, Morgan's really awesome, I think. She's really recognizable because she competes wearing her glasses. Oh, that's okay. Isn't that dangerous, though, um, if you're doing all that crazy stuff, your glasses falling off or? Oh, she has a strap. Okay, so she has has a strap. Um, But yeah, she's a lot of fun to watch. And she's said in interviews before she tried wearing contacts, but her eyes were too dry and the chalk would get in them. And it's actually safer for her to use the glasses. So she's also going to be at Florida, um, which is going to be really exciting. So yeah, if you're interested in the individuals, if you're interested in like seeing the Olympians, become collegians, um, those schools I mentioned, and then Florida is majorly an up-and-coming team to watch. Um, One more school I want to give a special shout-out to is LSU. They are consistently one of the top teams in the country, but have never won a national championship, and so a lot of college gymnastics fans are really pulling for them. So that's where a lot of the competition is, you know, kind of in the SEC mm-hmm. and um, the Pac-12 kind of bring in the most competition. So my question with the individuals, especially the Olympians, how if you're their teammates or they're your opposition, do you not psych yourself out going against them? Like if I'm just a normal like college gymnastics participant and lee's next to me i don't know how do you like how do you do and then like also from like the judging because it's like you're she's the all-around champ and like it's just like how does that how's that gonna work because it's that's like one of the only sports where you can go to the highest thing the olympics win and then come back compete in college and then when the olympics come back again if you still want to do it do it again like how does that work from a competition like balancing sample because Suni is basically the all-around best g- gymnast on the planet right now yeah she is she is it's a big deal I can't speak for yeah. the gymnasts because I haven't been in that in those shoes but um I think something to remember about you know elite gymnastics is um when you get to the top echelons of the sport you know obviously like the Olympics are at the next mm-hmm. level but when all these gymnasts were coming up through the ranks, you know, you know, working their way up and we're doing like the um, junior Olympic nationals and things like that. A lot of these gymnasts have been competing against each other for a really long time. So yeah, certain people decide they want to take the elite route and really go to the Olympics like Suni and Jade and everyone else did. But there are a lot of people who also came up through that ranks, those ranks and had the same kind of experiences and, you know, the college scholarship was their ultimate goal. So um, I think that the gymnasts have enough like kind of respect for each other kind of collectively that I think um, I think the level of intimidation probably isn't as high as you might think because everybody already knows each other really well in the upper echelons of gymnastics. And something cool, I think, um, I, I think another, like another cool thing about gym, like college gymnastics is the team element of it is really, really emphasized. So um, even though there are these individual stars, the ultimate, you know, crowning achievement of college gymnastics is winning that team national championship and working together. And, you know, the 
the um, culture of the sport is very team focused. So, um, so I think that kind of helps balance things out as well. So how, how do you watch it? Like, do you go on an app? Do you have to go on a site? Is it on TV? Which stations? If someone wants to watch it now after listening to your episode and they're super intrigued, where do they go? Yeah. Okay. So that's a great question. Um, the best way. So, so like I said, um, the SEC kind of schools are, um, have always been kind of the most, um, visible schools in terms of gymnastics and in terms of TV coverage as well. Um, so if the people listening already have access to the SEC network, that's a really good place to watch the SEC schools. So the SEC network has um, for eight consecutive weekends during the season, they have um, something called Friday Night Heights. So they have like special time slot for gymnastics, SEC gymnastics every Friday. Okay. So if you have the SEC network, that's a great place to start. Pac-12 network also has a lot of great meets, um, a lot of great meet coverage and such. Um, ESPN has a lot of regular season meet coverages too. So um, they'll usually cover a couple of really major matchups every year, every season. A lot of those have already been announced, um, but yeah, um, ESPN, ESPNU have a lot of coverage. Uh, something that's going to be really exciting this year um, is the coverage of the national championship tournament. So there are multiple rounds to the national championship. Um, there's kind of three rounds. The first round is the what are called regionals, which is kind of a misnomer because there aren't like regions. It's just kind of like the first round of the mm -hmm. national championship. So there, um, there's like a regional, three days of competition in regionals, and then two days of competition in nationals based on, you know, how um, advancement works. This year, for the first time, um, ESPN is going to be covering the regional finals. Um, and all of the regional competitions. So in the past, they haven't been televised. So this year, you're going to be able to watch all of the regionals and then the national semifinals and the national championships, which are going to be on ABC this year live. So that's really exciting. So accessible um, to the public. It's not like you have to go find some under market, whatever site, like some black market site. It's very easy for the public to go watch this. Yes, especially for the big schools. Um, I do want to. I do want to shout out though. Here at Utah State, we do have a gymnastics team. They're my. You know, I'm their number one fan. They're my <laughs> number one school that I root for. Um, they're um, they're of the tier that like they if they have a really good season, they'll make it to you know the first round of the national championships, the regionals. Um, but we are in um, a conference called the Rocky or the. MRGC, the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference, which is just kind of a conglomerate of schools that don't have an athletic conference that has enough teams to make gymnastics. So together, um, my conference is Utah State, Boise State, which is awesome school, BYU, which is very much on the rise in Southern Utah, which is just a really fun school to watch. They're a fun group. They do crazy difficulty, um, fun gymnastics. So cool thing about all four of these schools is all four of them actually will live stream all of their home. Oh, that's really nice. For free. 
for free. So a lot of them, like when they tweet, um, they'll like link the a link for live stream. Um, so if you're interested in following, you know, if you, if you don't have cable and you want to get into college gymnastics, the MRGC schools are actually really accessible. Um, you can watch and get excited. A really nice place you can go um, to get information about where to watch meets on a weekly basis is um, there is a blog site called The Balance Beam Situation. And it's kind of a snarky blog. It's um, not for everyone. I really like it. But um, the person who runs it, Spencer, um, will do a link every week where he lists out all of the meets and sh- like lists on a meet-by-meet basis where to watch and if you can watch. So there are a lot of really good resources, um, kind of fan, again, grassroots level kind of information out there that can help you. So I highly recommend those kinds of How things. long is a season? Because you said it starts in January. So how does this go January to what? Oh, goodness. Um, so sometime in March, I think uh, nationals are usually in March. Okay. So yeah, we have our own version of March Madness. Um, yeah, so if you think about it, um, I think this points to another um, interesting aspect of the sport with conditioning and such. Like. Um, Gymnastics takes a huge toll on your body. Mm -hmm. So like a part of the sport is, you know, strategizing how as a team you're going to pace yourself throughout the entire season. Because by the time you get to the postseason and the national championships, you don't want to be burning out. And you said said January to March. So how many meets are each team doing in a season to get to the tournament? Because that feels like a very like you're doing a lot in two months. It is. Yeah, it's a lot. So typically um, the competitions will be every weekend. Um, Every once in a while, like a team will have, uh, they call it a bye week, um, where it's like a week where you have a week off of um, competing. But most teams have um, a meet every week. So that's where it's helpful to like have multiple people. You can rotate into the, um, the lineups and you can be strategic about who you're going to put up when. And things like that, but yeah, it it, it gets crazy. Um, in terms of the qualifying process to nationals, the seeds for the kind of the regional tournament and qualification uh, is based off of five scores. So, of all of the meets that you do, you take the top six team scores that you get during the season. You, uh, three of those top six have to be, um, away meet scores. So you can't have too much home field advantage, you know, kind of bumping your total qualifying Mm -hmm. up. And then the top score of those six is thrown out. So those remaining five scores are averaged and that's, you know, the score you go with for qualifying. So interesting. so yeah, it's a lot. Um, so gymnastics, college gymnastics kind of has something for everyone. Like if you are really into the numbers and the statistics and the kind of the sports number crunching, there's a lot of that in gymnastics. If you really like fantasy football, but you also like gymnastics, there's a fantasy gymnastics league you can get into. Wow. That, I've never heard yeah, that before. Yeah. So again, like I said, it's, um, Gymnastics is really grassroots led and fan led. 
And there is um, a nice couple um, who run uh, the National Fantasy Gymnastics League every year. I think they're taking uh, kind of the biggest league is taking a week or a year off because they're having their first baby. But other um, fantasy gymnastics leagues have been popping up as well. Are you in one? I am not. I'm not. You have to be really invested in, <laughs> in order to do fantasy gymnastics. And I just, I haven't had that level of, you know, time to really sit down and obsessively watch all of the mm-hmm. meets. I mostly stick to just a couple of the big meets postseason and, you know, all of them are GC meets in Utah State. So I haven't done it. Maybe once I'm done with my PhD, I'll have more time. Um, but yeah, it's on my bucket list. People love it. Sarah, anything else that you want to say about gymnastics before we sign off here today? Yeah, just like, well, a couple things. Um, first, give it a try. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Um, I've been to both types of gymnastics meets. So I've been to an Olympic meet or like an elite meet live um, when the U.S. Classic, Classic was in Columbus several years ago. And I've been to a lot of college gymnastics meets. College gymnastics meets are more fun. They're more exciting. Also go live if you can, because the energy is amazing. And then I guess the last thing I want to say is like going off of that, giving it a try. If you're going to give it a try, I think this year is going to be a really exciting year to give it a try. Because again, we have more Olympians coming in than we ever have before. And the new NIL rules for the NCAA are also going to make a big difference um, because, you know, more gymnasts and more individual gymnasts are going to be able to, you know, really profit from their image and likeness. And um, that's going to bring, I think, um, a new unique spotlight to the sport. So, yeah, give it a shot. And, um, yeah, it's worth it. Anything else? Yeah, that's all. Do you have any last minute questions? Uh, no, I guess my last minute stuff is like in the closing stuff. So one, if people listening to this want to reach out to you and ask questions about gymnastics, how should they reach out to you? Uh, social media, email, all of that. Uh, how would you like that? Yeah, definitely. One of the best ways is on Twitter. So my first name, so it's at my first name, Sarah with an H, C as in cat, Bogan, B-O-G-E-N, at Sarah C. Bogan. I believe my DMs are open. Feel free to get a hold of me there. If you'd like to email me, my email address is the same thing, Sarah C. Bogan at gmail.com. So I'd love to answer questions. I'd love to, um, if anyone has like a local gymnastics team and they're interested in like Oh, which home meet would be the most fun. I'd be happy to give a recommendation and yeah, I'd love to connect and chat. Uh, and then I guess last question. Yeah. I think that was the last with the season being so like super condensed, like from January to March, which I still think it's nuts. And then with this being your first episode, how often do you think your future fans will be able to get a chance to listen to you give updates on what's been going on in gymnastics? Oh my goodness. What a great question. At least a couple of times. If you, if you'd like to have me, if people are interested, I'd love to give a mid season update yeah. and maybe a um, preview of the, of the finals th- um, and postseason. I think people will be interested. They just, you know, just a general thing of like, Hey, when can we expect a, 
gymnastics update, like when they're getting into it and hearing your thoughts on like mid season on, because I guess mid season is that's February then. So mm-hmm. like next month, hearing how you think people are like the teams are doing, who is your mid season picks to win it all and stuff like that. I feel like everyone would be interested in hearing that. Yeah, I'd love to come back. And with that being said, Thank you, everyone, for listening to the L7C podcast. Season three begins. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and then listen to the podcast anywhere you get the podcast. Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast things. Just type in the L7C podcast on the Internet, and a whole bunch of things will pop up where you can listen to it. Thank you, Sarah, for making her debut on the L7C podcast being our new women's gymnastics expert we are happy to have you aboard on the team and then also with mitchell and chelsea if you guys do listen to this episode you heard sarah getting would love to do some episodes with you guys so maybe potentially be on the lookout for that in 2022 and with that being said thank you everyone for listening to the l7c podcast signing out Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.